Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. I'm sitting in a sandy hole in the ground, surrounded by fresh wolf tracks. But not in a place I'd expect to find them. And that's not a wolf. That's someone trying to draw one out of the forest. Wolf could appear at any moment to reply or just check out where that owl is coming from. I've travelled halfway around the world, to Germany. European wolves are on the move. A few years ago, I heard about this one named Slav. He was a wolf that somehow made it across Europe from Slovenia through the Alps to Italy. That's over 1,300 miles. These European wolves are now on the move in Germany, finding their way in from Poland. It's thought that the last wolf in Germany was killed 115 years ago, shot to death. They were the enemy back then, a complicated time in history and probably not an easy place for a big carnivore. But in the year 2000, something mind-boggling happened. They came back, and I wanted to know how. How is that even possible? I've come here to find out. From KUOW in Seattle, I'm Chris Morgan. Welcome to the wild. Instead of four paws, I'm on two wheels. I'm on a mission, a motorcycle quest to try and retrace the path of Germany's wolves, following them westward from Poland into the former East Germany. I'm a total sucker for borders, and I'm standing at one that's pretty symbolic for me now. I'm just about to leave Poland and enter Germany in the type of place where wolves would have done the same. The wolves that are in this part of eastern Germany came from the wilds of Poland, so it's a pretty amazing thought. I just love crossing from one country to the other, but to be doing it in the footsteps of wolves is something extra special. All right, I don't even know if you'll be able to hear me over the sound of the wind. Crossing this uh, bridge now that separates Germany and Poland. All right, farewell Poland. And now into Germany, woohoo! <laughs> Let's go find some wolves. <laughs> this is a region that's been through a lot from world wars to industrialization. And through it all, think of the wildlife that was trying to survive too. Development slowly took over and didn't leave much room for big wild animals like wolves. But times are changing. The wolves are returning and making industrial areas and forest plantations and military bases home. It's called rewilding. The wolves are coming back on their own, taking us back to a time before humans changed these natural systems. 
I met two men who could help me, both of them German wolf legends. Maybe they could explain how a wolf makes his way back into Germany in the 21st century. I was born here in a small village in the year of 1940, at the beginning of the war. I am 78 now, and I have seen a lot of changes in my life. This is Ulrich Wojciechowski, Watch for short. When Watch was a kid, his grandfather would take him out into the German countryside. He remembers his grandfather teaching him about the plants and animals of Germany. After the war, there was a big change uh, how we looked at nature again, and this opened chances for rewilding, for wolves, for lynx, and uh, wildlife which we had thought had disappeared completely. As a young man, Watch studied forestry in Munich. He says back then he never believed he would see wolves back in Germany again. But now, like his grandfather, Watch is teaching others about the wildness found in Germany. He's become the grandfather of wolves here. Right away to me, he's like the wise elder. The wolf uh, points with his nose on all these things which we have destroyed or which we have lost and cannot see anymore. A view of nature which we have completely lost. Watch has a friend, Sebastian Korner, who's a filmmaker. They tell me wolves began returning to Germany in the year 2000. They used to be shot, but then a law was passed to protect them. They started coming back with just two, and then they had pups. It is a logistic curve. It is two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, and so on and so on. And it is in the beginning, it is slow, and as soon as some packs are formed, it is a rapid curve increasing. It's like an exponential growth. As we're talking, Watch and Sebastian start to argue in German about how many wolves there are today. Seems like a bit of a moving target. Sebastian believes that we are close or rather well by 1,000 wolves in Germany right now. Wow, 1,000. Yeah. From zero to 1,000 in, in 20 years. In, in 18 years. It is hard to imagine that expansion. There are now close to 100 individual packs in Germany today. I found an animated map on the government website that blew my mind. The first wolves showed up right here, about an hour from Dresden, making their way northwest towards Berlin, then further north, Hanover, Bremen, and even as far as Hamburg. Literally like a wave from east to west across the northern part of the country. They simply followed the prey. First of all, they find a lot of food. There's no country on the globe which is offering more natural prey to wolves than Germany. We can't say for certain that Germany has more natural prey than in other parts of the world, but the prey is thick on the ground because there are very few predators. You see, in ecology there's this idea known as carrying capacity. It's basically the maximum number of animals, wolves in this case, that a region can handle given how much food and habitat and water there is there. There are a lot of deer and wild boar here, enough to support up to 400 German wolf packs. It's like in Yellowstone. There, the wolves regulate their own numbers according to how many elk and other prey species there are. In fact, it's a system that works very well. Wolves will even have fewer young when there is less prey available, and vice versa. It's taken nature many thousands of years to design. But there's also a carrying capacity of what humans will tolerate. 
Acceptance of these animals can be tricky. You know, our, our culture teaches us from a young age to be scared of the big bad wolf. Well, even more prejudice um, things today. Talking about fairy tales and fairy tales and uh, red, Little Red Riding Hood and so on, the wolf is not dangerous. Watch and Sebastian seem to be on a mission, hoping that they can create a more welcoming space for Germany's new resident wolves. But I'm done just talking about wolves. I want to see one of these creatures. Something you'd think was easy given all the stories of wolves coming back. It's 5am and Watch and Sebastian have picked me up on a village street corner in the darkness. It's all quite bizarre and my imagination works overtime. We're on the Polish-German border on a mission. But I can't help but feel like someone's going to slip a blindfold on me. And just when I thought that was weird enough, we pull into the trees and another guy steps out of the shadows to guide us through the woods in the dark. I'm thinking, okay, I gotta be really quiet. This is like some covert operation. We just met someone in the woods here and he's taken us to a secret spot where we can sit and wait for wolves. There's something distinctly dodgy about this whole setup. To top it all, we're wearing camouflage suits that cover every inch of us. We look ridiculous, like forest yetis with long wads of stringy moss growing from our bodies and heads. I don't like this stuff because I don't want to be sitting outside like a rock. I prefer moving. We settle into place at the edge of a lake where wolves have been sighted recently. Who knows how long they plan on us staying here, but apparently this is our best chance of seeing a wolf. Not sure why, because it is still completely pitch dark. Now it's 7.40 in the morning. We've been sitting here for an hour and a quarter, and, and as the sun comes up, the world just comes alive around us. It reminds me just how much life is here. These are European cranes flying over on their migratory route south. They stop off at these lakes for a good feed. but still no wolves. So it seems to be that they are not in the mood to come. But still, sitting this quiet and motionless awakens your senses. No wolf yet, but we just saw an otter. That was cool, a river otter just surfaced in the middle of the lake in front of us. We've been here just over three hours now, and uh, I don't have any more clothes to put on. <laughs> Starting to get pretty chilly. Various limbs are starting to fall asleep. Still haven't lost hope, though. Lucky for me, Watch calls it. We have been brave enough. Let's get a coffee now. Truth is, I had lost hope. I just didn't want to be the one to throw the towel in. No luck this time. Like Watch, I prefer to be out looking for wolves, not just waiting on a prayer that one will cross my way. Watching Sebastian told me about the forest 20 miles away with another pack of wolves. I head out solo to see what I can find. This forest is pretty small by any standards, really. 
it's about, uh, I was just looking at it on the map, it's about four miles by four miles. It's nothing, but it is the home of one of the packs here. I know that. And then the last thing I expect to find so fast, something that always gets my pulse rate up whenever I find them. Tracks. This is unbelievable. I've just found my first German wolf tracks. <laughs> wow. Oh, this is a nice clear one here. You can see the claw marks very clearly in each of the four toes. It looks like at least two individuals here and the tracks are going both ways. Like, uh, like this could be a, a regularly used road, both directions. A couple of things tell me it's a wolf and not just a big dog. And it's not just about size. These are three and a half inches wide about the minimum for a wolf. Also, wolves are efficient. They trot in a straight line. You can picture it totally focused on their next destination. Whereas a dog kind of meanders because he has all the time in the world. And wolves tend to place their rear paw into the track of the front paw. It turns into a long day of searching. A two-mile hike becomes ten. I'm exhausted and a bit delirious when I see a raven. I always look out for them when I'm tracking because they can be a sign of animals in the area. No animals this time, but the raven is very talkative. I'm just telling him I have to go. He says, are you coming back tomorrow? At two o'clock, I said. Okay, that's just right, he said. All right, cool. Yeah, I know. All right, see you, buddy. That was fun. Then I get a call from a friend, also looking in the area. He's seen a wolf. Okay, the race is on. Christian just called and said he's seen a wolf. So now we're going to head back there as quick as we can. And hope the wolf sticks around. Christian's a young photographer. He's been here since dawn, also looking for wolves. I scramble up the slope and through the forest. He's about a mile away, and it may be my only chance of seeing a German wolf. It's going to be the longest five minutes of my life getting back down this trail. Finally, I get there, and hopefully not too late. Yes, wolf, wolf, wolf. It looks like a young wolf, probably a pup from this year. He's in the trees. Oh my God, that's magic. It's almost surreal, like... An apparition after picturing this for so long. Same place. Did you see him, Christian? I turn with a, a huge smile on my face, ready for some hearty hugs. Yes. First German wolf. First German wolf. Okay. Dankeschön. Bitteschön. Amazing. I honestly hadn't expected this to happen. Everyone told me it's almost impossible to actually see one. You know, when you're watching a wolf like that, it was a fleeting glimpse. I was trying to grab the recorder and record. I was trying to pull the binoculars to my eyes, and it all just happened so quickly. And I just caught it for about three seconds before it disappeared into the trees. And that's all you're thinking about is, my God, that's a wolf there. That is a wild, wild wolf trotting across this German landscape. And, but you're just in it at the moment, you know. And now, seconds and minutes later, it just kind of sinks in and it makes you think about what that wolf represents here. The land is as flat as you can imagine here. I can see a power plant in one distance. I can see um, wind turbine windmills in another. And all of this in front of me used to be a coal mine. It's a moment that will be burned on my memory forever. This podcast is free and it's accessible to everyone thanks to support from listeners like you. If you value this show, please consider supporting its production by donating to our home 
KUOW. It only takes a minute to give, and you'll be helping to support the production of this podcast. Make a donation at KUOW.org or follow the link in the show notes. And thanks! Hey, my name's Claire McGrain, and I'm a producer for Seattle Now, KUOW's local news podcast. There is a lot happening in our region, and it's a lot of work to keep track of it all. We'll get you caught up on the latest news and take a deep dive into something happening around the city, all in under 15 minutes. Get a morning walk-in or grab a cup of coffee and start your day with us. Learn something new and connect with our city by searching for Seattle Now wherever you get your podcasts. The Soviet Union occupied East Germany after World War II. There was a Russian military presence in the country all the way up until 1994. When the Soviets finally pulled out, ending the occupation, they left behind their military bases. Germany needed to decide what to do with these now empty spaces. They decided to let them go back to nature. And there's one thing I know as an ecologist, give nature half a chance and she'll jump right on the opportunity. I meet up with Watch and Sebastian again in a beautiful forest, less than a mile from the Polish border, just north of a town called Rothenburg. The forest is a really curious mix of woodland, pastures and hundreds of ponds and lakes, a place shaped during the Ice Age. These areas have become a foothold for the wolves on their return to the country. What does, uh, what does this sign say? <clears throat> um, it is uh, an area which is under nature conservation. Along with around 5,000 other species, the wolves have become a part of a series of reserves here, including a United Nations biosphere reserve. It's one of the many areas of Germany that have been left to rewild. It should not be touched. People should not walk around. Nature first. Yep, the area is not being used economically and should develop completely without human interference. And it's an inviting opportunity if you're an intrepid wolf looking for new territory. The forests are full of oak and pine trees. Wild boar and deer eat the acorns and the pine nuts, and in turn, the wolves eat the wild boar and deer. It's an ancient ecological system that has come back. I think we need real good, great wilderness areas where nature has its own right to develop, and the wolf is a symbol for that. Watch describes German wolf country as a cultural wilderness, a mosaic of history and humans and large mammals. There's like a big reshuffle going on between these species here. We have destroyed so much from from our original nature so that we have, we have lost the connection to nature and we are part of nature. As we explore the forest more, we come across a mound in the sandy soil next to the pine trees. It's a den. And Sebastian has filmed wolves right here. It's amazing to picture it. I call it a playing den for of the of the older pups when they have nearly half a year then they are on the rendezvous side and they find something where they can dig. Wow, that's really interesting. Um yeah, it's just about maybe a foot and a half wide at the entrance and it's all sandy inside and it's situated right in the middle of these trees and you'd never know it was here unless you just stumbled across it. Sebastian tells me a den like this isn't used for living in. It's a rendezvous site for playing or hiding from danger, especially when the parents are out hunting. Aunts and uncles, older sisters and brothers, they all help raise the younger pups in places like this, like a devoted family. 
It's the Wolf Kindergarten. Yeah, genau. <laughs> Then, next to the den, there's another reminder of the past. I'm standing at this wolf den. And there's pieces of old metal here. That are from military equipment. And there's big holes in the ground that hid tanks when they were training here. And these old military sites have become perfect places for wolves to take a hold. The wolf is a symbol for wilderness. And we have lost wilderness, we have destroyed wilderness in this cultivated um, and over-civilized countries like Germany. And wolves coming back is a wonderful sign that there is something left. And I would be glad if the wolves could settle down in Germany and bring us back what we have destroyed in the former times. But the return of the wolf is not easy for everyone. Wolves prey on livestock. In 2016, more than 1,000 farm animals were killed or injured by wolves. Watch and Sebastian tell me about someone I should meet. What's his name, Sebastian? Frank Neumann. We drive Frank down a gravel road and arrive at a large meadow in the trees on the outskirts of town. Frank is waiting for us. How do I, does he speak English? No. Nothing? No. How do I say... Um, Nice to meet you. Ich freue mich, Sie kennenzulernen. Ich freue, ich freue mich, Sie kennenzulernen. Ja. Ich freue mich, Sie kennenzulernen. Ich freue mich, Sie, Sie kennenzulernen. Ja? Ich freue mich, Sie kennenzulernen. Ah, ja. Nice to meet you. Frank, I'm, I'm Chris. Frank is a shepherd. He's 70 years old. He's wearing a felt Tyrolean hat with a feather in it. They have a German accent. <laughs> Frank moves his sheep constantly from field to field, like 300 lawnmowers, but also like sitting ducks. We're in prime wolf country and they look so vulnerable. In 2002, just a couple of years after wolves started showing up in Germany, 33 of his sheep were killed over two back-to-back -back nights. The thing about Frank, though, was that he didn't lose it. In true German style, he looked for an efficient solution. That is the loudest bark I think I've ever heard. After the attack, Frank set out to make sure it didn't happen again. The solution he found, ironically, was the size and shape of a wolf. Not quite a wolf in sheep's clothing, but almost. These are Pyrenean mountain dogs, and tough as nails. Wolves don't mess with these guys. The dogs are on high alert 24-7, protecting their sheep family from predators. They are born into the herd and stay all their life long in this herd. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So it's all they know. Yes, and they really see it as their family. For thousands of years, these dogs worked alongside shepherds, protecting their sheep families. And now that the wolves are returning, so is the need for the dogs. But because Frank is here and he's talking calmly with us, the dogs chill out and realize we're not a threat. It's incredible how quickly they switch modes. Oh. He just nearly bit the end of my microphone off. I'm even able to pet them now. They're beautiful dogs, very noble looking with these long white coats. Frank turns around and pulls a photo album out of his car and opens it on the hood. 
I expect to see pictures of his grandchildren. Oh, it's beautiful. There's a whole family tree of the dogs. Yeah. And so these, is this his dogs? Yeah. Is this Frank's dogs? Yeah. 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 Do they live outside all the time? Yes. Yeah. They're never curled up at the fire for family yeah. dinner, huh? Yeah. No. Seeing how proud Frank is about his dogs gives me hope. A lot of farmers are really upset at the return of the wolves. Livestock killings threaten their livelihoods. But Frank has found a way to live with them. He never said that he likes wolves. But he simply said, I have to deal with the thing and, yes. and where are coming, where are coming. It, it's, it's pragmatic. That night, I toast with Watch and Sebastian. Here's to the wolf and to the wild. Yeah, thank you. You're very welcome. These guys are turning the tide, and I've learned a lot from them, including the fact that there's always one more wolf story. As I pack, they tell me news of an intrepid superwolf that has made it 250 miles into southern Germany. It's an area that hasn't seen a wolf since they became extinct 100 years ago. When she got there, she found a mate, and they even had pups. I'll be passing by as I begin my long journey home. Maybe I can catch a glimpse. I can't resist. I ride 250 miles southwest of Saxony. It's a beautiful spot just off the Autobahn. There's no sign of the female wolf and her pups. I know, wishful thinking. But I'd at least love to hear a howl. I've been trying to get a wolf to howl back to me since I arrived in Germany. Screw it. i got to try one more wolf howl. I'm still in wolf country. No reply today, but there will be in this forest as those pups get older and start to explore. Someday they'll reply. We have some amazing photographs and video from all of our episodes on Instagram. Check us out at The Wild Pod. On the next episode of The Wild, we'll learn about a species that reshaped the landscape of America, had a role in our politics, and might even help us adapt to climate change. I'm talking, of course, about the mighty beaver. The wild is inspired not just by nature, but by people who work in it, love it, protect it. There's a ton of information on the website if you want to find out more. The Wild is a production of KUOW in Seattle, in partnership with my work at Chris Morgan Wildlife. There are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make the wild possible. Too many to name, quite honestly, but we couldn't make this podcast without them. Take our logo, for example. I've gotten a ton of comments about it. The brown bear staring up with the mountains behind her. The photograph was taken by my fiance Brenda Phillips. And then our graphic designer, Tio Popescu, created the graphic. Amazing work. Thanks, Tio. Our producer is Matt Martin. Jim Gates is our editor. Brendan Sweeney is our managing producer. Our fact checker is April Craig. We had engineering help from Dave Brown. Our theme music is by Michael Parker. We had additional music from Lee Rosevier. Thank you to the wonderful people of Germany who made me so welcome. I'm your host, Chris Morgan, 
And hey, if you have a story about an experience you've had in the wild or have ideas for future episodes, please send me an email at thewild at kurw.org and we'll get back in touch. Thanks for listening. Hey, my name's Claire McGrain, and I'm a producer for Seattle Now, KUOW's local news podcast. There is a lot happening in our region, and it's a lot of work to keep track of it all. We'll get you caught up on the latest news and take a deep dive into something happening around the city, all in under 15 minutes. Get a morning walk-in or grab a cup of coffee and start your day with us. Learn something new and connect with our city by searching for Seattle Now wherever you get your podcasts.